Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. And hello, Stevie. Welcome, <laughs> you, to our show. Welcome to our show. Welcome, one and all. Welcome to our show. We like to welcome each other. I don't know why I'm doing British mode. I'm already British. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, why are you extra British? Because you extra British, so I feel like I need to extra British. I can only extra British. I don't have normal British. Can you make this podcast extra British, please? I'd like a one podcast, please, extra British. <laughs> no problem. With a side of American. With a side of American. Coffee. Not tea. Earl Grey. No. We're going Janeway today. That's right. Janeway, drinking my coffee. I'm letting my hair down. Uh, welcome to our show. It's called Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Today's star date is 039622.1. And we're discussing Lower Decks, Season 1, Episode 9, the penultimate episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, Season 1. It's sad. We're, we're, we're in the home stretch here. Yeah, we are. What was this one entitled? I forgot. It was entitled Crisis Point. Crisis Point. Crisis Point. But you'd be forgiven for forgetting that that's the name because there's so many crazy things that happen in this episode. Mm. And like you would think it would be called like Vindicta or something or Vindicta Rises yeah. or something. But whatever. It's called Crisis Or Point. the therapist chair. The therapist chair. Um, yeah. Anyway, a very enjoyable episode setting up this last these last two are like a nice they ramp up to a big finish. They do. So without further ado, let's let's run it down. It's time. To run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? Okay, it goes like this. Mariner's down on a world. She has liberated the, quote, lizard men. She says they will no longer suffer from rat oppression. And there's there's uh, anthropomorphic lizard people and one anthropomorphic rat man in uh, luxurious robes and he's imprisoned and Mariner's like you're free now and the lizard people are like we don't know what to do we just like basking and she's like then bask without worrying about rat oppression and when my captain gets here she's going to be so happy that I liberated you people and then Captain Freeman shows up and is actually very upset with Mariner because apparently they were not supposed to interfere with this planet uh, because of the prime directive and so they begin to argue and bicker bitterly and instead of sending Mariner to the brig, which is where she thinks she's going to go for her insubordination, Captain Freeman, who is also Mariner's mom, says, no, you're going to go to therapy. And Mariner says, no, it's the 80s. We don't need to go to therapy. <laughs> her mother's like, you're going to therapy. You're going to do it every day with Dr. Miglimo. Oh, I really should have checked the pronunciation on that. <laughs> um, 
I think it might be Miglimo or Miglimo. Not sure. I wrote it down. Anyway, apparently he uses nonstop food metaphors and he does. And so Mariner gets sent to the ship and then the captain says she'll give the rat people replicators if they'll stop eating the lizard people. And that is cold open. So when the episode begins in truth, Mariner's in therapy and her doctor, Dr. Miglimo, says she's got a veritable... Who is played by Paul F. Tompkins. None other than Paul F. Tompkins. So it's the two hosts of the pod directive. Indeed. In a scene together. Paul F. Tompkins and Tawny Newsom tells Mariner that she has a veritable fruit salad of insubordination. And Mariner would rather be in the brig, but too bad. She's going to have to go do therapy every day and talk about her issues with her mother. Later on, Mariner, Rutherford, and Tendi are shooting clay discs, I guess, in the holodeck with Leonardo da Vinci. Boimler enters and he says he needs to use the holodeck because he's got to study in order to ace this interview to be part of Captain Freeman's advanced diplomacy workshop. And Boimler has a program where he, perhaps uh, with the, in a grayness of morality, has used people's private logs uh, in aggregate to create versions of themselves that are true to form on the holodeck, as we've seen before in other treks. And so he launches Boimler 7. They're on the bridge. It's a simulation of everyone on the Cerritos. And Boimler thinks this will give him an edge in the interview because he can then talk to the captain to find out what she likes, what she doesn't like, how best to impress her for this position. And Mariner, once she sees how realistic the reactions are, she becomes very interested in the program, runs over to the arch, and begins to change all of the parameters, basically turning it into a Star Trek epic-style movie using Boimler's program, and thus begins the true breadth of the episode Crisis Point. So they're arguing. There's this great sequence with music and the names of everyone she made like a full like pre-movie sequence with the names coming in in blue just like they do in all the trek films then the camera pans down to body of water and freeman and the senior staff are jet skiing because it's free uh, captain freeman's birthday and boyman was still there and he's trying to ask the captain things about like what she likes and what she doesn't like but then they get a message and captain says vacation's over so all the all the uh <laughs> all the takes from here on out are extremely dramatic as if we were watching one of the Trek films. Uh, I think this is sort of a send up of like maybe Khan sort of has like a Khan vibe to it. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, uh, Wrath of Khan. The senior staff, they all go to an admiral. The admiral tells them that they've gotten a, a strange message from Idacana 6. And uh, the president there wanted to thank them for the second contact by the USS San Clemente. And they're like, why is that a big deal? And the Admiral says, because Starfleet has no San Clemente. So who was it? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Woo. Got a dun, dun, dun in there. We got a dun, dun, dun there. And he, the Admiral dispatches Freeman and the crew to the Cerritos to find out what it is. Get info and get out. And he says, and Freeman, stick to the plan this time. Uh, so there's another, this one is so full of Easter eggs. I don't even know if I can talk about the episode without mentioning all the Easter eggs. You can try. I'm going to do my best where they go from the shuttle to the ship and you get to see the ship and they play the music of the theme song. That was such, I mean, that wasn't, I wouldn't even call that an Easter egg. It was too big. It was just Easter. It was, yeah, it's true. It was just Easter. It was just Easter. It went on way too long. It was like a totally revamped, super intense version of the theme of the show. And 
You see the ship from a billion angles. They talk about her like she's a woman. It's like light Boy flares. Boy almost wants to squeeze her. Oh, there's all these, yeah, lens flares and stuff. Ooh, da, 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 da. Uh, I wrote in my notes, did they use a real orchestra? And they did, I'm sure. Uh, so they head out. They get out of space dock. There is the uh, obligatory scene of the captain sitting in the chair and being like, I'm ready for this adventure. And they say, we're ready to go, Captain. And Captain Freeman says, time to take this puppy off its leash. Warp me. I love that. Warp me. That was great. Warp me. Warp me. I mean, there's a good reason that has not been used before. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Because it's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> All right, Ensign, warp me. It just sounds like a weird sex act, doesn't it? It does. It does. Okay. All right. Family show. Sorry. I took Family it, I took it smutty. Uh, okay. So we're, <laughs> we get to Idacana Idacana 6. I might have said that incorrectly because I'm past that point in my notes. Apparently the selenium rings are disrupting the sensors. An alien vessel decloaks. Who is it? It's none other than, it's like a very ominous uh, uh, a vessel. And who is it? It's Mariner, but she's not Mariner. She says her name is Vindicta. And she calls Captain Freeman, Captain Freeman. And she has her three henchmen of the Vinpocalypse. Tendi, her savage warrior queen. And Orion born from a lineage of uh, Orion pirates. And uh, Rutherford is Bionic 5, a heartless robot killing machine. And there's Shempo, who apparently was supposed to be Boimler, but because Boimler's hanging out with uh, Captain Freeman because he's still trying to brown nose and figure out what he can do to ace his interview. They have Shempo. You know, they do the whole thing where the two captains talk and, and Vindicta's like, ha ha ha, free man, I will bathe in your blood. Free man. Free man. She calls uh, Freeman a coward. Uh, she quotes the Tempest. And at one point she asks Shempo for tea and Shempo comes back and it's coffee. And so she shoots and kills Shempo immediately. And then there's a big quoting of the Tempest, which is definitely a big con thing and then it's a distraction the recording was a distraction because they've used a shuttle then to board the ship and they start just fighting the crew and killing people and everything and this is all holodeck but they're brutally murdering everyone uh ransom gets hit and boimler runs up to him and tries to find out the captain's favorite cookies uh, recipe for cookies and ransom says okay yeah make her cookies but remember that she's allergic too and then gets shot again and he dies uh, Boimler's upset. Rutherford is like, oh, we can say anything we want to anybody. We can kill people. He's like, I'm going to go to my boss, Billups, and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. So he runs off. Tendi and Mariner continue to fight the crew. When Ransom finds Billups, he's, uh, remember, when Ransom, when Rutherford finds Billups, he's dressed as like a space marauding bionic killer. And he's like, hey, Billups. He like scares everyone. Everyone runs out of engineering and Billups like closes the doors and things are all ruptured because Rutherford shot up the place. And he goes, you may think you're the best engineer in Starfleet. And I've waited a long time to tell you this. You are the best engineer in Starfleet. <laughs> Hooray! And then he helps Billups uh, fix engineering so that the ship doesn't explode. Tendi and Mariner go on a killing spree. They go to the bar, which I always want to call 10 Forward. It's basically 10 Forward, but I don't know if there's a 10 Forward on the Cerritos. But they kill a bunch of people there, including Shax, who uh, they use like an explosive Borg head. <laughs> they put a bomb in a Borg's head and throw it at Shax and he catches it. It explodes. It kills everyone. But then Tendi gets upset because she's like, Mariner, it's getting really creepy because Mariner's like really 
overjoyed and killing everyone. She's wearing very intense makeup, and she doesn't like being called an Orion pirate, and Mariner's too into it. She tells Mariner it's not healthy, and then she leaves her in art. She's like, this is not good. Yeah, I think the, the straw that broke the camel's back for Tendi was when Mariner gave her Shax's earring with a piece of his ear still attached to it. Oh, it was really gross. Yeah. You gotta wear it. Orions are pirates. They love this kind of stuff. So Vindicta slash Mariner gets to the bridge. She kills the most of the remaining bridge crew. They uh, begin to fight mother and daughter, but they're also having a mother and daughter argument. Uh, Mariner's like, why do you make me the bad guy all the time? Uh, she sends the warp core critical uh, by her own warp core critical, which damages the Cerrito so badly that it starts to fall towards the planet, plumps into the planet, hits a bunch of mountains and snow, another trope. Uh, the nacelles snap off. The saucer rolls into snowy mountains. I wrote in my notes, this is literally Discovery episode, Season 3, Episode 2. <laughs> the ship is crashed. Freeman wakes up. She's pressed up against the thing, and she's like, I got to save the crew. But Victor's there, and she's like, oh, no, you're not just going to save the crew. I'm not done with you. They're going to continue to fight. Rutherford and Billups. Rutherford had managed to save most of the crew using some sort of rapid transport that he says you can only use because it's a movie. He got everyone off the ship before it crashed, so they just need to get off the ship and they'll be safe. Freeman and Mariner, excuse me, Freeman and Vindicta fight and fight and fight. There's all these Oedipal overtones, except it's mother and daughter and they're killing each other. She's about to stab the cap. She like knocks Freeman down finally and rips the thing out of the thing. He's about to stab her through with like this sharpened bit of uh, like debris. And then just as that happens, she gets knocked off and Mariner, the program Mariner, the uh, what heretofore we will call other Mariner. <laughs> I was so wondering how you were going to do this. <laughs> yes, Mariner and other Mariner. So meta. Other Mariner says, get off my mom, you bitch, which is an, uh, which is an Easter egg that's not even connected to Star Trek. And then she emergency transports Freeman off the ship and then Mariner has to fight other Mariner. So it's Mariner versus other Mariner. They're fighting back and forth. And also... Hollow Mariner? Do you want to go with Hollow Mariner? Hollow Mariner. Oh, Hollow Mariner. Okay, it's kind of... sounds like us. It's something hard to say, so we'll go with it. (laughs) Hollow Mariner? Mariner versus Hollow Mariner. Sounds like Hello Mariner. Hello Mariner. Hello Mariner. Hello Mariner. good to see you. Going extra British again. Hello Mariner. You wanted extra British. Right, that's right. We're giving people what they want. Basically, it comes out that Hollow Mariner is more self-aware than Mariner Mariner and basically says that she only breaks the rules because people expect her to do that, that uh, Mariner Mariner has only cast herself as the villain because she thinks people are making her the villain. But really, it's in her own mind and she should do the hard thing and be a great officer. And then Vindicta Mariner Mariner throws other Mariner Hollow Mariner down a shaft. Meanwhile, back on the surface with the whole crew that's been transported off, Billups and Rutherford have a tender moment together. And uh, Rutherford's greatest fantasy is answered. Billups was like, why don't we run off together and get our own ship? And then we can repair the warp core on our own time. And they're going to run away together. And Dr. Tiana sees this and says, Godspeed, you crazy bleeps. Who knows what that bleep was? Boimler is still trying to, he doesn't care about the story of the Vindicta at all. He tries to give chocolate cookies to Captain Freeman. It turns out that that is what she's allergic to, chocolate. So Jet, another officer, says that Boimler is an assassin. He gets tackled, beaten up, and taken off to prison and then thrown off a cliff. 
Mariner Mariner continues to fight Hollow Mariner. And then she's like, ha, ha, ha. She got the upper hand and she's about to kill Hollow Mariner. And she says, you were just looking out for number one. And Hollow Mariner says, oh, yeah? Then why did I delay you while I waited for the self-destruct and everyone to get off the ship? And then Mariner Mariner says, what? And then the ship, boom, blows up. And so Mariner feels that this was more therapeutic than therapy. She realizes that in real life, she cares about the ship and the crew. She just likes being, you know, insubordinate. She's just got to do, Mariner just got to be Mariner. So in the end, Rutherford and Mariner chilling in the bar and Tendi comes over and Mariner apologizes and Tendi says, you know what, let's go look at the warp core and they all go off together. They run into Captain Freeman and Mariner apologizes to Captain Freeman and says, later skater. And then Freeman goes to Dr. Naglimo, upset because she thinks that Mariner must be up to something because she couldn't have been so, so satisfied. Boimler goes back into the program uh, in order to still try to kiss up to Freeman. And he sees Freeman, the program still going. So Freeman's giving a eulogy to Hollow Mariner, who gave her life for the ship and crew. And in it, she reveals that Mariner is her daughter, the Hollow Freeman and Hollow Mariner, but which is true in real life. Do you follow? If you don't, too bad. And then she says, if anybody knew before my daughter was dead, I would have kicked him off the ship or kicked him out of Starfleet altogether because I was so terrified of people knowing that. And so now Boimler ends the program and he's terrified because now he knows. Uh, so he completely botches the interview because he's terrified the whole time. He says the Mariner is hot and then says that she's nasty and then runs out. And on the holodeck movie, we get meta of meta of meta, an Easter egg of the movie where Mariner. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hollow Mariner slash... No, wait. This is where it gets complicated. Hold on. Bear with me. I did a great job until now. I'm not editing this out. I'm just going to leave it. On the In the holodeck movie, <laughs> now Vindicta, who was played by Real Mariner, is part of the hollow, and she comes out of an emergency capsule. And she's like, ah, ha, 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 I shall defeat them all. But then is shot by Da Vinci, who's been wandering around, I guess, since they were shooting uh, clay plates earlier. And then we have some Supreme end credits. I do want to mention, that's the end of my rundown, but I really enjoyed that when they went into the movie, they added like a, they added a movie filter, which is very sweet, like a film filter with lots of visual noise. And that ended the rundown of episode nine, season one, of Star Trek Lower Decks, Crisis Point. Whew. Oh boy, we've got cornets, huh? One tries one's best. That's weird that you hired a you hired a cornetist to stand behind you and and you just you just point at him and he starts playing. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, musicians need work these days. Yeah, well, if you got money in the budget, I I always appreciate live music, so it's good. That yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go on to easter eggs hello ladies and gentlemen my name is Aki Burbis. i'm here at the easter egg de desk and i'm going straight now to stevie Mads, who's on location in episode nine season one of star trek lower deck stevie tell us what you got well hello there aki it's lovely to be here lovely to be here thanks for thanks for having me uh as you know uh we had some um... transitioning to normal voice as you know there was some wonderful <laughs> um, easter eggs as we said the whole episode was almost an easter egg or just the event of easter itself in fact do you remember for 10 points do you remember who, what the name of okay. the species the wolf-like species that appears at the beginning of this episode i absolutely do not i wish that i did but i don't 
They are, well, we believe that they are the Anticons. They are not actually referred to in this episode, but they look very, Anticons. very similar to the Anticons who appeared in TNG mm -hmm. Season 1, Episode 7. The episode title, I believe, was Lonely Among Us. So that was, mm. it was sort of a bit of a deep cut there. Very much so. Now, Da Vinci, you may remember from Voyager. I actually, it's weirdly enough, I watched this episode yes. literally last week. Really? Yeah, it was really fun. Like, I think she must. There must be one or two of them, but I actually really enjoy them because it's sort of it's quite fun. You know, like Picard has his leisure time and he goes back. Yes. And, yeah. So I quite like it. Oh, that's right. And so this is actually kind of a deep cut because there was apparently a TNG movie that never got made that was due to be called TNG Renaissance. This is absolutely true. Wow. And the premise of the episode was that Data was going to go back in time to the Renaissance period and he would have been Da Vinci's mentee or protege, if you like. That's crazy. Did not know that at all. That was going to be there like um, like TOS had the journey home, nuclear vessels. Oh, man, that would have been great. But that never happened. So that's a really, really deep cut if you want to believe it. But it's, if, if it's not just Janeway, then it's potentially also the TNG crew with the never made movie. Fun, huh? Now, super deep cut. Um, Mariner says to Boimler, oh, you're being kind of a Zahn. Now, do you remember what that was about? I actually do, but only ah. because I'm a huge, huge nerd that happens to know about this. But please, please regale us. So there was a Vulcan commander Zahn um, who I think was meant to sort of be the next Spock. Because at that point, I think it was supposed to be like a never made Star Trek series called uh, Star Trek Phase Two. Um, because at that point, they weren't sure if Spock or Leonard Nimoy was going to return as Spock. Wonderful. And Zon was, was meant to be this sort of replacement character. And so it's a real deep cut of like, you know, you would only know it if you knew all of the sort of. <laughs> if you knew about the people who didn't appear in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All of the movies and the things that never actually happened. All of the backstories about Trek. So um, that I quite liked, just as a real deep cut there. And uh, I did rather enjoy Paul F. Tompkins as the therapist. I thought he was quite good. Um, but that wasn't really... It was kind of an Easter egg, but it was only, it's sort of an Easter egg because Paul F. Tompkins hosts the uh, Star Trek pod, the, the next... What's the it called? official... Uh, the pod directive. The pod Star directive. Pod Sorry, directive. I was going to call it the next directive. Because uh, Paul F. Tompkins hosts or co-hosts the pod directive with Tony Newsom, whom, 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 who plays Beckett Mariner. Correct. Well, there you go, Aki. That's, uh, that's, that's all we have for Easter eggs today right here on the set. Now it's back to you in the studio. Fantastic. I feel it important to mention, for those of us who wish to carry it over, that there is one non-Star Trek Easter egg... In this episode, it is from, uh, I think, I should have Googled this, but I didn't. When Mariner, oh my God, I can't believe I did this to myself. I should have just shut up. Says, get off my mom, you bitch. Bitch, get off my mom or something. When, yes, get off my mom. Get away from my mom, you bitch. Get off my mom, you bitch. That is a reference to, I think it's Aliens. Yes. The second it, Alien movie. I, I read somewhere that that was an Aliens thing. Where Ripley gets into the machine after the Aliens going after the little girl that they find. And she says, get away from her, you bitch. And then destroy. Anyway, that was really awesome. An angel got its wings that day that I heard that the first time <laughs> and the second time and the third time. Shall we move on to quotable moments? Absolutely. Quotable moments. 
Quotable moments. Quotable moments. Quotable moments. I think you already mentioned the veritable fruit salad of insubordination, which I loved. I did. I considered writing down all the other ones, but that seemed ridiculous. But I loved that one, yes. The only other one I had, other than Warp Me, was You're Better at Being the Captain's Dickwig. Ugh, that was truly something special. It was just classic. Yes. Love a good insult. You're better at being the Captain's Dickwig. You got to. I did enjoy Mariner to Other Manor saying you only break rules because you know what that's that that's what people expect you to do. They're not casting you as a villain. You are. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> and all the like uh, Mariner stuff as Vindicta. I should have written this part down. This was just a thing that I noticed that I liked. Well, I like any time they have a an alien who's like evil, who deliberately mispronounces or unintentionally like dis- mispronounces a character's <laughs> name. So I like that she kept calling her mm-hmm. her mother Freeman because obviously she was acting like that. Uh, and oh, yes, here it is. I am Vindicta, vengeance personified. At last, Freeman, I will bathe in your blood. I was just going to say it reminded me of He-Man. Or Skeletor and his henchmen. It was very human. Like ah, free man. <laughs> By the power yeah. of Gangle. If you're an eighties yes. baby, that absolutely made sense for you. Exactly. Eighties babies. Well, yes. We'll do anything for you. For you. Should we do a segment uh, called Eighties Babies? Eighties <laughs> 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 babies. Now, well, we can add that to our other segment of um, what was it I sent to you the other day? Oh, <laughs> the Shatner game. Yeah, the Shatner game. Where we overact everything. Yeah, the Shatner game. <laughs> Someone yells Shatner and you overact everything. And I was like, that's we are already do that. We do that from from the beginning <laughs> of the episode to the whole thing. Yeah. At least I do. Uh, the last thing, just as a deep cut for those who watch too much DS9 and know all about the Bajorans and the Cardassians and their their religion. And Shax is Bajoran, of course, since he's a hot blooded Bajoran. And right before he is killed by Vindicta. He screams to uh, them, when you get to hell, tell the pirates that Shaq sent you. Special delivery straight from mm-hmm. Bajor, which I really liked. And that's all I have. Perhaps we should go to next time. Perhaps we should. Next time on Set Phasers. Okay, well, next time on Set Phasers, we will discuss the season finale of the first season of Lower Decks. A fantastic animated series of Star Trek. That episode is entitled No Small Parts, and it is epic in scope. It is big parts. It's all of it's the all big parts. It's all huge, but it's still only like uh, the 22 minutes. I'm so shocked uh, rewatching it. I thought, I thought in my mind, I was like, oh, they did an hour long conclusion, but they didn't. They just crammed it all in. They did it somehow. Yeah, so we'll be discussing that next week. We wanted to say thank you, a special thank you, did we not, to our. We do. Our patrons, those who who follow us on Patreon, I you know we we have it in the in the the we'll talk about it later, but we do want to give a shout out to all of our our patrons and Patreon. The question is, did we write down all the names of our patrons? And I think Patreon? I think I could do it. So our very special okay. pa- pa- patrons, patrons, our patrons. We want to say thank a big thanks to our patrons, our very special patrons: Yay! Sky, Kyle, Yay! Kevin, Eric, and Christine. 
thank you so much for being our patrons. We love you. We are approaching our first year. Ah, oh, can you believe, Aki? I can't believe we have done this for a year. Approaching our birthday. Oh my god. It's Seth Phaser's birthday. We should we should Happy celebrate. Birthday. I think we're coming up on 50 episodes. Cake. Yeah, always cake. Cake and more cake. Ice cream cake. Yeah, I think we should have cake. It might be possible for us to do that, but that's a spoiler <gasps> for spoiler. another time. All right. Uh, well, to the rest of you, patron or no, thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoy the program, you can catch it every Monday, wherever you get podcasts, if you just happened upon it. Uh, and if you want to go back, we've done all the episodes of Star Trek Discovery and the first season of Picard. And we're going to keep doing episodes as long as we can, as long as it's Star Trek. We'll talk about it. That's another segment we'll apparently be doing. So please check out our podcasts. And if you can, uh, rate and subscribe. What will the name of that segment be? It'll be called... Uh, as long as this Star Trek, we'll do what we can. Is that the rock segment? You can't not sing it. That's what it's called. It's a uh, it's tonal as well. Sing as everything. Yeah, the sing everything segment. Yeah, we have to sing rock to each other. <laughs> oh, these are great segments. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to follow us on the socials, we are at Set Phasers Podcast and at Set Phasers on all of the things. Meme game strong. Meme game strong. And if you want to support us in our continuing mission to discover what Star Trek <laughs> has in store for us, we'd only, it's very hard to do that voice for so long. We could only be delighted. You could patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash set phasers. Thank you in advance. Well, um, let's just round this off. And I'm Stevie Mans. And I'm Aki Burmese. This Computer. has been Set Phrases, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. <laughs> Computer and the program. Oh, shit, I forgot to push the button. Computer <laughs> and the program. Such professionals. Indeed. We're so proud. <laughs>